Welcome to the Patricia Raskin Show, the program that helps you turn obstacles into opportunities, challenges into solutions, and find answers to tough questions. And now, the award-winning powerhouse voice of radio. Here's your host, Patricia Raskin. Well, hello, everyone, and welcome. Welcome to the Patricia Raskin Positive Living Show. In our first half hour, we're going to talk about a subject that probably will affect all of us at one time or another in our life, and that is caregiving. Caregiving, hope and health for caregiving families. And, you know, while some people choose to take care of loved ones after they no longer can take care of themselves, many have to do uh, that this for other reasons, often financial. It could be a crisis, an accident. It could be long-term effects of aging. In any case, the days are often long and draining, both for family caregivers and professionals, and choices can be difficult and daunting. So this interview and the book that's part of this is there to provide stories from the perspectives of not just the caregiver, but enabling the care and helping to enable caregivers to better understand their own fears and their feelings. And this is really a positive and unified approach to care. My guests are Sharon Wegshader Cruz. She's the founding chairperson of the National Association of Children of Alcoholics and the founder of Onsite Workshops. Her books have been translated into many languages, and she was uh, groundbreaking in her book, in her work, Another Chance, Hope and Health for the Alcoholic Family. She's appeared on many of the major talk shows. Patrick Egan, who has written the book with Sharon, is a caregiving gentrepreneur who lives in Boulder and is care as a caregiver for his parents who live in the senior community nearby. He's the founder of Nurturing Net a company that helps others use technology in a way that enhances and adds fun to the caregiver experience. And he's been with many companies before this. So we have two outstanding co-authors, authors who helped each other. And the book is called Caregiving Hope and Health for Caregiving Families. Welcome, Sharon and Patrick. Thank you, Patricia. We're happy to be with the show. Thank you. All right. So how important is the subject of caregiving? Sharon? Well, uh, there are approximately uh, 44 million unpaid caregivers in our culture right now. That doesn't count all the professional caregivers like doctors and nurses and ambulance drivers and, and so forth. These are family members, primarily sometimes friends, who step in and provide care for someone who needs it. And about 44 million, that's really a big issue, and it's also a big business in a uh, situation for corporations. Patrick, your comments on that? Well, I would just add um, that from my perspective, uh, you know, I didn't plan to be a caregiver, and I think often people don't. Uh, As you said in your intro, sometimes things just happen, or you turn around and find out, you know what, I am a caregiver, and I'm spending a lot of time on this. So, uh, you know, in our system right now, often it isn't a planned activity to become a caregiver. It just kind of creeps up on you. And that's what happened to me. Mm. And what were some of the tools or what are some of the tools in your book? You knew, I know you have a toolbox chapter that's really important for people to read to understand what the tools are. What do you think are some of the most important tools? Sharon? Sure. I'll try to say that real quickly because um, that is when I think one of the high points of the book is that it does provide uh, tools 
But we really want to have the premise of the book um, have a focus on the fact that we're trying to bring hope and help. But that also means bringing some joy to it, using it to bring families together instead of families falling apart. Sometimes they fall together for the first time in their mm. their life because they are in crisis. Uh, much mm. caregiving happens in crisis. Somebody has an accident or gets a bad diagnosis, and then there's a slow-growing crisis of simple aging in this country. So what are some of the specific tools? We talk about self-care. In our country, 66% of caregivers can die before the person they care for dies or becomes terminally ill because it's Mm -hmm. such a big job. And we're trying to provide a lot of self-care tools in the book of how to take care of oneself. Another major tool is... But I want to um, ask you, I want to stop at that point sure. just for a second. I want to pause because what about those people 65 plus who are active and healthy and have energy and are staying in their careers and don't really want to think about somebody providing caregiving for them? Um, would you suggest that they just keep being as vibrant as they can, exercising, uh, being part of community, eating well? What would you say? Because we're going to have more of those Absolutely. in the next 10 years. Uh, absolutely, because uh, I think we have to divide up what aging really means. There's the young old, and then there's the old old, and there's almost a middle age old. Uh, if somebody's 65 years old and taking care of themselves, they have a big, long uh, chunk of their life left, and the best way they can take care of it is just to go ahead. But to be prepared for the accident that happens, the uh, the fall that happens, the diagnosis from the doctor saying, you know, you now are carrying this illness with you. Preparation is key, and that comes when people do plan ahead. But, yes, keep going as long as one possibly can. Yeah, do you want to add to that at all, Patrick? Well, I would just add, um, I don't know if it's clear from the intro, uh, Sharon is my mom, and I'm her son, so... Not only did we write this book together, but I actually uh, speak from my own lived experience uh, in terms of trying to help my parents, my mom, and stepdad age in place. So when you talk about tools, I looked at things like how can they stay connected with their kids, with their grandkids if we live in different states? Um, What kinds of services can we set up uh, so that they can be managed remotely in case they were to fall in the home and, you know, they're not in any kind of assisted living facility so what can we do to help, you know, make their day-to-day life more safe, uh, more connected with their family? And then as mom said, I think also you want people to have fun and, you know, you still have to live your life even though someone's needs may have changed. And what can you do uh, within the family to make sure that you can still stay connected? And it can be your family that you're born into or it could also be your family of choice that you've clustered around you uh, because aging is one group we're all going to belong to and you need help from other people uh, to go through that whole process. Mm. Yeah, that, you know, uh, Patricia, that was, yeah. that was an important point is Pat got pulled into this because it took a lot of technology for me to recover from a life-threatening fall two years ago. And mm. it is my belief that every uh, aging person, and certainly anyone who is 65 or 70 over, needs to almost have a tech help in their home, which is how some of this all came about. We could never have made it through my accident without technology and without all the organization that came with that. 
And so we want to get this message out that getting older, having accidents, being ill doesn't have to be the end of the world. For some people, it can be the beginning of a new normal and be great. Mm -hmm. Yeah. One of the things you said, and also, Patrick, you said that I'd like to emphasize is the whole thing, whole idea of connection, how important, particularly as you get older. I mean, even if you have family, there is loneliness when you're alone, when you don't have a partner. Even if if you do have a partner, sometimes there's loneliness as well. So talk about the importance of connection and being alone versus lonely. Well, I think one of the things I've noticed is that sometimes your, your quote, normal routines have been disrupted in one way, shape, or form. So maybe people don't get out as much, or maybe they can't travel like they used to, or they just don't have as much, quote, free time to maintain relationships. And so one of the things that I think the caregiver and what we call the caree can do as well is just figure out what, to, what kinds of things can we do to make sure you don't get isolated. Um, Can we set up a Facebook uh, or a FaceTime chat with someone? Can we, you know, have a daily call where we just check in? Is there a way that we can schedule some kind of a family get together or just make sure that they get taken out once a week to go to eat, to go on a walk, try to keep active and connected with people because that seems to be one of the most important things in making your, your process as a care ego more smoothly is that you don't drop off the face of the earth just because you're not feeling well. You just find different ways of connecting with people. Yeah, yeah, very, very good point. And Sharon, anything you want to add to that? Well, the only thing I'll add right now is that I think one of the strengths of the book is it comes from the points of view of a caregiver, of which I told you we have approximately 44 million in this country, But because I had a serious accident when I was being a caregiver, I became the person cared for. And then Mm. Patrick stepped in and became the caregiver. There's many different roles, the way this goes around families. And it brings some families together and it breaks some families up. And the book addresses those family systems. Mm. Well, and and that, that would make sense to me with your background, Right, your background in dealing yes. with families and alcoholism and systems, family systems. That is so correct, Patricia. What I'm finding out is I'm running into some of the same people I knew in the addiction field, in the caregiving field, because uh, children from alcoholic families are uh, sort of being trained to become caregivers later in life. Uh, and there's, there's a whole, whole bunch of things. I had talked to, uh, about children of alcoholics having The four roles, you know, there was the family hero, the scapegoat, the lost child, and the mascot. Well, a caregiver way of looking at that now, the words just fell out as we tried to function in our own system. Somebody serves to be the the team captain. It's either the one that lives near you or the one that knows something about caregiving or the one that's interested in the subject. And then our goal is to bring them into having different people play different roles. We have the cheerleader and the questioner and the researcher and the helpers. There's many different positive roles that can be um, taken on by different members of the family. And we're trying to help people see that the, the system dynamics mean we don't have to have the one in the family that's avoiding everything or the one that's blaming how it goes. And in a really good functioning family a team captain can pull that together. And we're seeing miracles happen. We're seeing people take the book. I'm seeing people take the book and buying it for the members of their family and then sitting down and finally really talk about what's really going on, not surface talk. Um, People who are ill, 
one of our caregivers had a ski accident. She's a young, healthy girl, and she had a ski accident. She was coming to caregive on crutches because she had developed relationships here. It can mm-hmm. happen to anyone, anytime. Mm-hmm. And um, it's a really big national problem. Yeah. Let, we're going to take a break, so tell people how they can find your book, and you know, and do you speak all over the country? Yeah. Well, well, first of all, there's a website. They can find everything there because both Patrick and I do a monthly blog. I talk about the wellness aspect, and he talks about the technology aspect, and we do a monthly blog, and it's called caregivinghopeandhealth.com. Caregivinghopeandhealth, H-E-A-L-T-H, dot com. And then the book, of course, is available on Amazon. Okay, wonderful. All right, we're going to take a quick break, and when we come back, we're going to be talking to Sharon Wegshitter-Cruz and Patrick Egan about their book, Caregiving, and it's hope and health for, uh, for families and hope and health for caregiving families. So we'll talk more to them uh, right after the break, right here on the Patricia Raskin Positive Living Show. Stay tuned. We'll be right back. Streaming live, the leader in Internet talk radio, voiceamerica.com. Psych Up Live with host Dr. Suzanne Phillips offers a psychological perspective on coping with common and current life issues. This show addresses topics as varied as marital stress, insomnia, depression, raising teens, campus violence, and building self-resilience. Listen in as Dr. Phillips and her guest experts share the latest in books, findings, and information that will inform and enhance your life journey. Psych Up Live is heard every Thursday at 2 p.m. Eastern Time, 11 a.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Variety Channel. Do you understand your feline friends as well as you'd like? Why do they behave the way they do? If behavior issues get out of hand, how do you fix things? Get the answers and more when you listen to Cat Talk Radio with host Molly DeVos. We'll give you the straight facts, offer some tried and tested ideas, and alert you as to what's being done in this country and worldwide to save cats and shelter challenges. Cat Talk Radio on Voice America Variety. Have you found the beauty inside of you? Join Bonnie Bonadeo each week for Beauty Inside and Out. We'll explain how beauty plays a part in everybody's lives. Our guests are makeup artists, hairdressers, and doctors. But we'll also feature holistic and wellness specialists and spiritual advisors. You can find that beauty inside and express it to its fullest on the outside. Tune in to Beauty Inside and Out every Thursday at 2 p.m. Pacific Time, 5 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Variety Channel. Become our friend on Facebook. Post your thoughts about our shows and network on our timeline. Visit Facebook.com forward slash Voice America. You are listening to The Patricia Raskin Show. If you wish to call into our program today, please call 1-866-472-5788. That number again is 1-866-472-5788. You may also send an email to Patricia at PatriciaRaskin.com. Now, back to The Patricia Raskin Show. 
Hi, everyone, and we are back. You are listening to the Patricia Raskin Positive Living Program, and our subject today is caregiving. And I'm here with co-authors Sharon Wegshitter-Cruz and Patrick Egan. Their book is Caregiving, Hope and Health for Caregiving Families. Welcome back, Sharon and Patrick. All right, um, Patrick, I'm going to start with you in terms of when there is a crisis and when there is a need to caregive for your family, Talk about the different roles that family members might play. You know, obviously we'd have different strengths. One person might be a better connector than another. One person might be able to handle the finances better than another. Uh, expand on that. Yes, that, that's absolutely right. I think um, when an incident happens or a diagnosis comes, all of a sudden this kind of uh, family group, and it can be family, again, of choice or family of, of the family you're born into or a mixture of both. But all of a sudden, people will start calling each other going, what's going on with mom? What's going on with dad? Uh, what do we need to do? And the idea of the roles, it often isn't formally stated, but what quickly happens is one person's very good at making food and stopping by and visiting. And they're, they're maybe able to do that because they live in the same city. Someone else might be remote, but they can make sure that all the bills get paid while the person is recovering uh, either in the hospital or a, or a care center. They can start researching uh, if we need to get outside help uh, to hire paid caregiving uh, tasks and or look at assisted living type facilities, et cetera. Um, someone else can do all the research on what is medically, what is wrong, what are our options, what have other families done, you know, are there support groups? And by spreading that responsibility around, it doesn't become completely overwhelming on any one person, and it allows the whole team, as we call it, it's like uh, that saying, it takes a village. It allows that whole team of people that are helping that individual um, focus on what they do best. Yes, and, and in our community, we happen to live, <coughs> excuse me, in Boulder, Colorado, and Boulder County is kind of a headquarters for senior programs, and so coordinating all the volunteer help you can get with paid companions along with some medical management, it's, it's, it's a job in itself, and someone in the family can help take on that job. There are a lot of existing things, but I am shocked since I've been out speaking about the book how many people don't know what all is out there and how to use them all. We use a combination of uh, drivers that come through our, our county. And you talked about the 65-year-old who's still in really good health and out there and doesn't want anybody taken care of. Well, where we live, then they turn into being the ones to give help to those that need it. We have a whole raft of senior drivers that drive people in the community, getting where they want to go. And we're sort of, in our county, becoming a model for the nation, building bridges between agencies and doctors and volunteers and different kinds of organizations, you yourself provide this service that comes through technologies, uh, through the radio, you're letting this information, you're, you're helping make it go out there and social media, there's so many ways to both what I call get information and then hold hands. It's easier to go through pain, trauma and crisis when you're holding hands. Yeah, so true, so true. Let's also talk about the costs economically. We have more people growing older than ever before. We're the fastest growing population, right, in the country, certainly over 85. And by 2030, uh, each of us, there'll be 25% of us, right, will be 
over 65. That's a lot. That's so great. think That's about the economic I, impact of that. Well, on a small level, and then I'll let Patrick uh, add all the things he knows about that. On a small level, uh, I could say in one sentence, it's, it's a corporate bottom line because people miss work and they're out caregiving and they don't care to tell anybody because they might lose their job. And so corporations are beginning to recognize that the bottom line in their company is going to be impacted by the impact of caregiving. On a very large level, the estimate that, uh, is that these 44 million unpaid volunteer workforce, as I call them, are contributing about $67.3 million to our economy as a volunteer. Yeah, that's, that's big pretty. business. Yeah, what do you see? Yeah, what do you see for the future, piece. Patrick? Yeah, add to that, and and what do you what do you see as the um, solution? Well, I think it's a multi pronged approach, and I was going to say, as with my background is in human resources, so I'm used to working for companies where you hire people to do a specified job, and you pay them a salary, of course, and you know follow their progression throughout their career. For a lot of people, caregiving becomes almost like a job. The difference being you're not paid, typically. Um, and so you, I think it helps the caregivers to know that this is work and that if you have planned for it in advance, it's not so overwhelming um, that you can't continue on with you know your own day-to-day life. So what I would say that I see the impact of it is that it's teaching people maybe, as you had mentioned earlier, not to be so isolated, and if they're connected with their caregivers and their caregivers are connected with the community, it allows people to age in place. And I do see that as one of the big changes that's coming in the future is that in the past, number one, we used to define people that were elderly as over 65 for a lot of benefits and programs we still do. But as you'd mentioned, people can be very vibrant and active up till 70, 75, 80. And I think you're gonna see a lot more people wanting to age in place. So I do see some of the changes happening is how can you allow people to stay in their homes longer? How can they be connected to medical resources when they need it? How can they maintain friendships and relationships if it's harder to get out of the house and, and just transportation in general? Um, so I think there'll be there's a crying need for programs and services that help people age in place longer since the majority of people, unless they have a medical condition that requires it, prefer to age in place. Very true. All right, we have a few minutes left, so let's look at some more tools in your toolkit, Sharon, in the book. Uh, The one I can't say uh, enough about is for the caregiver to take care of themselves, and there's a whole chapter in there because most caregivers will tell you, uh, I'm dancing as fast as I can, taking care of the crisis. How do I take care of myself? And the book offers some lead-ins for that. These are the places you can begin. Another one is one Patrick came up with with me, and it really calms my anxiety if I think there's going to be an issue coming up. And he has a statement that says, it's always something. And if you plan on it's always something, um, you can turn that into something happy, something sad, or something crisis. And so there's a whole section in the book about attitude change. Um, And then we learn to simplify, simplify. This is not the time to do extra. This is the time to do only the essentials. And you, you begin to, to choose very carefully how you spend your time and what kind of people um, you want to spend your time with. Um, Patrick, what would you like to add to that? Well, <laughs> the tools. 
I think in terms of tools, the other thing that I would say in addition to self-care is realizing that we can often play both roles. And frankly, uh, there's a lot of people that do both. They're taking care of someone in some way, shape, or form. Plus, they're thinking about their own future and what's going to happen to me as I age. So one of the hopes with this book is it fosters those discussions within families and, and, and just within yourself about where am I headed and who's my team? If I have one, great. How can we work together? If I don't, how can I start to assemble one so that this doesn't turn into such a, a scary scenario and I'm actually ready for it? Mm. How do you help as a caregiver, how do you help your family member decide whether they should go into an assisted living or stay at home or be in place or go to an adult daycare center? Um, Do you feel you should have professional help to decide that or do you feel that you can decide among family members or does it just depend? The answer is yes. <laughs> yeah, just yeah, depends. I, I, those, I mean, that's very true. I, it, that's a it, that's deserving of a whole show in and of itself. But I would say I work with the local as a volunteer with the local area agency on aging, and I will say that most cities within the United States or counties will have a local area agency on aging, and they're a good first stop for help because they will coordinate a lot of the services that might be available, and they have things like checklists and questions to ask yourself. Um, when is it time to start exploring? And I will tell you this, I have learned that it's time to start early because often by the time you've made the decision, then you realize, gee, there's a waiting list here that's a year long and that's happening more and more as people get older. So again, starting to pre-plan a little in advance will make you know, that inevitable decision if, if it's coming down the road a lot easier. Okay. And what would your closing thoughts be, both of you? If, what would you like to leave our listeners well, with? What I would like to leave the listeners with is maybe uh, there are, there's a statement that says, there are only four kinds of people in the world. Those who have been caregivers, those are currently caregivers, those who will be caregivers, and those that need care. And if there's any one thing that we can offer each other to start with is the ability to listen. Show up Mm. and listen, and it'll Mm. go from there. Yeah. And I would All just right, add Patrick, to that when you look. Yeah, I was just going to say I would add to that. Um, if when you look at uh, caregiving, that caregiving and care receiving are both equally as important, and that it actually can be a new phase of life. It doesn't have to be a decline. Right. Exactly. Right. All right. Tell us again how we can get your book and your website and all of that. Okay. It's website. Caregiving Hope and Health, H E A L T H dot com. And orders are available now from Amazon. It's on Amazon. And a lot of um, companies or churches or larger groups can also order in bulk mail from Simon and Schuster. So 20 or more books, they can buy them from Simon & Schuster. Otherwise, they're on Amazon. But where they'll also get the, uh, the blog that comes out every month is caregivinghopeandhealth.com. Yeah, right. it's free. Encourage people to sign up for it. And every month we write a newsletter about what it's like to be the giver and receiver and answer questions that people might have about what, what practical things can we do to help make caregiving easier. Thank you both so much for coming on the program. It was great. Very inspirational and, and very educational. Thank you, Patrick and Sharon. 
Thank you. Thank you. Right, Thank stand, you, Patricia. Yeah, you're welcome. Okay, stand the line for a minute. All right, that wraps up this half hour. Stay tuned. We have another interview for you next right here on the Patricia Raskin Positive Living Show. Don't go anywhere. We'll be right back. Thank you for tuning in to this week's edition of the Patricia Raskin Show. Be sure to join Patricia Raskin and another amazing guest next Monday at 2 p.m. Eastern Time, 11 a.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Variety Channel. Have an outstanding week.